0: Hi and welcome back, this is your host Dan Hayward and this is Christianity Commandeered and today we're going to tackle abortion. Um, I would call it the big one uh, but really that's why we're doing the talk today is because why is it the big one? Why is this the one that has people the most heated, the most emotional, uh, the most aggravated, Uh, people are willing to bomb clinics, people are willing to fight, spend money, over this topic, and I, and I think that's why it really deserves a lot of attention. And so uh, I come from the perspective that this is the biggest black eye in the Christian community. It's a tremendous black eye because it's it's almost become Christianity in a way, as it's become uh, really just a facet of the Republican Party. So there's no way to separate those two. So the lens of the discussion today is going to come through that uh, that kind of direction, which is, Once you've built a religion and become this kind of of unilateral direction on one topic, Uh, how do you become a productive, loving entity or profess your faith to other people and talk about other topics when this one seems to get all the press? All right, so um, let's kind of jump back to the arguments. And really, as far as I know and as far as I understand, there's only one argument that comes from the right. And it's a simple sentence, and it is only that life starts at conception. Uh, so we're really just gonna take the whole discussion based on that sentence alone. And so the first thing you should start thinking about is one, that sentence is, is a very modern sentence, right? There, There's no way to get away on the fact that that's not something that could have been said 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, no matter how many, you know, you can go back 10,000, whatever the number is. Uh, it's a modern science that allows us to understand that sentence, and it's very it, and it contradicts kind of the biblical understanding of of life, and I'll get into that a in little bit. So th- that's the first approach I have: is you look at this and you say, "Well, if conception starts at at, at this date, it, it's okay that we change our morals. It's okay that we update things, and, and science affects us, but it's very odd to me that science." Is this triggering event that caused the right to make this claim? Uh, because conception wasn't something we would have understand in the kind of prehistory days. Um, at best, and this would be even more modern, more like a few thousand years ago, more like would be the the typical understanding of pregnancy, which is like farming, which is planting the seed and the woman is the the womb is the dirt, essentially, and as many know this also presented a problem because then this made it seem like maybe the baby is the man's truly the man's that really when you're farming the seeds are what you're planting and the harvest is of the seed and although it's nurtured by the earth there's kind of this weird place women are in and that that's and that too is also a somewhat modern understanding if we go back even further in time and we kind of talk about it there probably wasn't much understanding about How pregnancy worked at all other than the fact that uh, when there was an intercourse, uh, a a child would come of it and likely a group or a community raised that child and they probably would have known who the people were and there would have been some understanding about what would happen. But since historically we would have lived in groups and settings where um, it wasn't one person with another person in a home in a modern setting raising a child uh through 18 years old i mean completely different concept uh, it's important to kind of look at some of these concepts going back into time because it really it ruptures the fabric of our understanding when you start going back even just 100 years um, so let's talk about some of the first um, historical uh, events regarding abortion so there's some written codes and these would be really like written laws in other cultures that would have predated the bible um, or maybe been written around the same time as the Bible, and some of those laws said, "Yeah, abortion is legal if the man doesn't want it," and and this this topic is critical because if you're look, jumping ahead and understanding why women are very angry about the fact that it's men controlling their bodies, a group controlling their bodies, is because if you go back through time, this is there's continuity here, and so the reason why those laws were written. That way is it was because there was a caste system. And if you're at the top of the caste, men who were wealthy and powerful had the right to have children and heirs. And so the law about 1500 BC in uh, uh, this specific uh, civilization, a woman could be put to death if she did not carry a baby that she was born of. I don't recall when I was doing this research a few months back that it mattered really how she became pregnant. There's the fact that a a wealthy person, a man of power and and status, impregnated to the woman, and she has to have that baby. And that really reflects a lot of what we're talking about today, this kind of idea that, well, once it's in motion, have to go through with it. And that's the same reason why women in the modern day can be very angry about that topic, uh, that understanding. So there's a historical kind of point here to be made that over the years it seems like women have got the butt end of the deal here they could have been raped forced into marriage whatever it may be but they're forced to have uh, children and really carry it for a man or or someone else maybe they're a concubine Uh, the bible talks a lot about concubines and it's really just a a sex slave Um, and the patriarchs had these sex slaves and the kings had sex slaves that they could produce more heirs and those women were protected Right, because they had carried this this potential heir, or at least a, a, a child of the king, but they definitely had to make sure it was safe and protected it. Now, going back further in time, before we written history, uh, the understanding was from this is from like science and research and uh, anthropology and and what we can gather, we understood that women died in childbirth frequently. Uh, we don't have good numbers, but we would guess it, maybe it was. It could have been as high as maybe twenty five percent. Maybe it was much lower, and it was risky. Um, we didn't know bacteria and virus. So we didn't understand any of that stuff, and and women weren't in a safe place to have kids. And there's very interesting uh, documentaries on contraceptive going back thousands of years, because it's something that our uh, really our people have thought about consistently. Um, one. This reason would just be, it's dangerous. The woman didn't want to die um, or risk death, especially if they weren't in a position to, to care for the child or they didn't like the man uh, in the first place or they didn't like the relationship or whatever it might be. Um, and so women wanted to try to find a way, how can I avoid having to do this? And as you kind of come forward in time, um, things really didn't get much safer until very modern times. And there was also a high risk just to the child Uh, Statistically, they thought maybe one in two babies died, and this would just be after birth, Um, just couldn't survive uh, for whatever reason. And so a woman would have to have, uh, go through the process of having several children just to have half as many. And every time they had a child, there was a percentage of chance that they would die. And think of it this way, think about how many uh, women were born and they knew their mother died in childbirth. Imagine what that woman's thinking about, or in this case, maybe more like a child 13, um, thinking about having a child and thinking, am I going to die like my mom did? Uh, odds might be good that that was, that that was carried on. And so it's scary and it's risky. And if you went today and you said, we can't give medical care to women and they have to just have natural births, there would be many women dying. Uh, we just, the way our bodies are structured it's uh, there's just there's a risk there of b- getting that baby out. Um, I know plenty of my my friends that without modern science, they, they're the woman would be dead. The mother to be um, my wife actually being one of them. Uh, the, the type of pregnancy we had without modern technology. Uh, well, I take that back. All three of the pregnancies that we had were potential risks to my wife. She potentially could have died on any of those. Uh, especially the first pregnancy because we had a molar pregnancy originally uh, for our first pregnancy and 100 years ago if that would have happened my wife would be dead because she would we would have thought we were pregnant but actually it's just a cancerous mass growing uh, in her womb and only with modern science could we know that so I'm very grateful for science and very grateful for the opportunity to know what's happening in her body when we didn't before and many women just died and perished under these terms so, if you go back to biblical times and you talk about what was the understanding from the Bible when life started, because really the argument in, in abortion, it's about this idea, I think, of a soul. This is really what I think it is. When does God basically plant this soul on a creature, and that's the point where we have to protect it out of our way. That's, that's how, I, how I hear it. I haven't heard of people coming from a different perspective than that because it seems like there's the idea that this, this creature you know well basically as soon as it's formed it becomes this human and that because it's formed in a woman's body that it has a soul and if it dies it goes to heaven and i, th- I think that's really kind of the the frame um, of reference that uh, people have when i discuss this and that's very hard for me to hear when i've heard people talk about that because it's it, it's such a narrow understanding um Think of it this way, if that's the case, if that's when a soul is implanted, go back historically and think about all these women who died in childbirth, half of their, their, their babies being born died, there was miscarriages, and even coming forward in time, somewhere around 10, 20% of uh, pregnancies ended miscarriage. That means that our, our society, our civilization, is producing souls that women's body reject quickly and without carrying it to term. And I think that's, for me, has always been the most compelling argument of why there's such a misunderstanding of abortion. Because how many anti-abortionists are saying, let's give women better care, let's give them better financial protection so that we can look at these miscarriages and stop them from happening. Because there are people we know, Uh, in my life that have had 10 plus miscarriages. And it's true. I know there's people out here who condemn them. They condemn them for trying. Um, But how would you know, right? How would you know which one's going to come to term, which one won't, which women get a chance at it, which other ones don't? That's just a, a very hard conversation to have, and it's really not fair. And I think for a lot of conservative people, they just assume, well, it's God's hand that they didn't make it. Well, now we're going back to the same arguments. So it's God's hand that apparently God creates his soul and then two months into the pregnancy terminates it, right? So uh, I feel like there's no good argument on the conservative side that helps explain this problem. It seems to be only the the, the choice of a woman making a choice, essentially. like that, That's that's it. They make a choice to terminate the pregnancy. And they're not weighing the fact that maybe one in five of those would not make it anyway. Right now, now we do know better that after a certain roughly that 10 to 12 weeks number, the uh, the odds of the the, uh, child being born down the road is much higher. So we know that, Um, but we also just don't know how many women before that mark were pregnant, lost a child, had miscarriages, and completely opposite. I mean, this is not even a topic that comes up from the conservatives, which I find so odd because if we're talking about a soul being made and created in conception, then. Not only would that be a discussion, but also you would press the government to follow people having sex. How many doctors are talking about what the conception date is? I know in our pregnancies they that we're not going to try to figure out what that day is. It's not an important day. We don't know what it is, right? There, there was probably a day where there was intercourse. They probably didn't even have implantation that day. It might have been uh, hours later. It's the important thing is 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 down the road, looking at this and saying, well, we're hoping to have a baby. My wife and I, we're, we're trying to have a baby. We're trying to build a family. And that's what we're really focused on. And so are the doctors, because that conception day is just, it's not a certain thing. Why wouldn't there be more energy put on following these people and saying, well, it looks, you guys were having sex. So we really got to figure out. We gotta, we, you start, start doing tests right away. We want to know, know if there's a baby there, because we want to make sure that that soul is comforted and if the woman's not drinking too much, she's not smoking anymore, right? Well, now you're, now you're kind of getting to that frame of reference that a lot of modern women think when you're talking about controlling women's bodies because that's what it sounds like it's going towards, right? This may be just trying to block women from having abortions, but it also sounds like the kind of uh, referencing just complete control against the woman for the benefit of a potential child who, as we already know, don't always make it. Uh, because they could be m- miscarriages. Um, so let's let's talk about the political side of this. So those are some of the topics that I think are kind of just compelling things to talk about. And the view here for me is that this kind of alliance or this deal that was made between conservatives and the Republican Party uh, represents a type of Christianity that was willing to acquiesce to political pressure. So much so that they made this one issue so large, so big, that it really it really engulfed the party. It became the only thing, the only thing they're fighting for, the, the only policies that were worth time. And, you know, I, I'm not saying it's not worthwhile fighting about, but the problem was when you make it the top priority, you really have to prove it. And when I think the Bible really clearly talks about love and taking care of the needy and the poor, and you make this an issue... It just looks bad. It's, it's a black eye. One making a law that people can't have abortion doesn't cost any money. It's it's not difficult. And all these politicians that were elected under these uh, these their planks, their political position to say we're going to just block abortion, they only had to do it once, and you kept reelecting them, right? The laws were already pushing against women having abortions, and you kept electing them, saying like, well, pro life is my only it's my only item that I care about. And the thing is, like, it never mattered because it was already done. And what many people didn't understand is that, well, they couldn't change the law because it was a Supreme Court decision. So all these people were voting and saying it was their one issue and not even realizing that they weren't helping their cause because they couldn't. They, You couldn't elect someone to make that better. Now, fast forwarding to the Trump era, some will say, like, well, that's what we got Trump for. He got those people slated in there. Oh, keep in mind, like, any Republican would have made those picks. Maybe not those people, but they would have picked people, conservatives, etc. I, I don't know. I personally don't believe that Trump made any difference for that, but he is the person that placed those people, who then didn't overturn. So he'll he'll get credit for that. Um, but I think what's so interesting is that you now have Supreme Court justices, two who now arguably lied under oath that they said that was well settled law, which. You can't argue around it. When you say it's well set a law, that means you understand it to be what it is and it will continue to be. And if you read some of the the notes and the conversations that happened between the the justices, there was a a battle over it Uh, because now here the law's changed, but now we have people who they lied under oath. And so look at the continuity of what happened here, the the fight over the years, which is Roe v. Wade uh, becomes law. This moral majority rises up. So a few few years later, so around that 1980s frame, they in, are engulfed by abortion as they kind of one of the top issues. They're fighting ab- about it. They're spending money and resources, but they're not actually accomplishing anything because it not ch- hasn't changed uh, uh, common or public opinion. If you look back at public opinion when Roe v. Wade went through and today, almost the same numbers, right? Most people think abortion should be legal. Even when Roe v. Wade was overturned, two-thirds of people agreed with it, and here we are. We've just kind of swung back, and what it took was putting someone like Trump in office, uh, someone who conservatives would have never accepted because he's immoral on his face. I don't need need to go into the detail of that. I don't don't think they even argue against that. They say he was put in for a, a reason, and it was to get rid of abortion. And then you go down the road, and the judges do overturn it, and now we're at a place where abortion still here. States can now choose it. And what's interesting with the development is that a state like Kansas now protected abortion. Now, Red State, it was, I think it was 5641 Trump. Very Red State. They protected abortion. And it's sending waves through the, the nation because it's not just a simple question of being red or blue, it's a complicated question across the board. And one that I had noticed in the news a few years ago that some of the higher level Republicans were saying we're just not gonna we're not gonna fight over abortion anymore. It's not it's not viable to stand behind it. I didn't hear many of the discussions or or what how they were gonna try to replace it uh, because it's been their kind of one thing for 50 years. So it's hard to just let it go. But what happens when you win? Now you've won. Now you can't motivate the, the base to do anything. And now they're looking at you saying like, well, how well, how do we get rid of this thing? Well, you know, now you're going to have to go to some kind of federal law to, to ban it. And you already know, like marijuana, for example, federal against the law. States could be lawful. You could, you, could, you could take sell marijuana products. And the feds aren't sending forces into Washington state and cleaning up these marijuana shops. So how are you going to get rid of abortion? But they didn't tell people that story. They didn't explain that because that didn't motivate people. Uh, But now we're here. We're getting really that true sentiment of state by state of what are you going to do with abortion now? Some are still very motored about it, fighting about it. And what? Are there people poor? Are they advancing uh, the interests of equality? Are they helping keep homeless people uh, off the streets, giving them food? All the things that we want to talk about in the Bible and Christianity, the one that keeps coming back is this one on abortion. And let's look at the Bible. So... (laughs) A lot of people will argue about whether it's in the Bible or not. And I did some research on this some months ago. And there's some key verses, kind of Old Testament laws. And one of them basically tells a story about a woman who either miscarries or loses a baby. And the man's not killed. He's not put to death because it's not seen as murder. And the more research I did on this, it, it it seemed as an arguable point... But it seemed to imply that maybe it was specifically talking about mis, um, uh, oh, early birth, an early birth. So causing a woman to have an early birth rather than like a miscarriage. Um, it's probably, it's hard to know whether they would have understood what a miscarriage was at that time. They, they would have understood something like that and they would have had a word for it. Um, but it seemed like maybe some of the language in that Old Testament was making a woman birth early. So, if, you know, it's not good for the mother. It's probably not good for the baby. And so there's a penalty, and so the right will argue and say, like, well, no, it's not abortion; it's actually it's it's a pre, it's an early birth. And what's interesting is you go with some of the new translations, um, and I've only heard this from a pastor. If you look at the new translations, conservatives have kind of come back and they have tried to rewrite that more and more and more to kind of uh, massage it so it sounds less like an abortion. But if if you go back in time and you start reading some of these older translations, um, some that are still around here, it. it really sounds like it's a miscarriage. It sounds like causing the the pregnancy to end, um, which would actually put it in the Bible and would actually squarely put it as something that's not talking about a soul being lost and that it's murder. Um, So really conservatives are really aggressively trying to pull that out of the Bible and say, well, it's not in there. And really all you're accomplishing is just saying, oh, it's just not in the Bible. Well, that doesn't help you either, right? You're now saying it's not even an issue in the Bible, but now it's the most, it's the preeminent issue in modern america in 2022 it's the most important thing and it's not in the bible where does that get you that's what i don't get again not that it's not an important issue to discuss right we should be fighting and and working together to reduce abortion uh, take it down whittle it down um but let's just compare it to other laws right so if you're thinking of it as murder how do you get rid of murder Nobody thinks that just making murder illegal makes it go away, right? How do you help make murder go away? Economics is huge. People have good jobs. People have opportunities to, for growth. People have childcare. People are not as desperate, uh, have housing for people. When people get desperate, uh, scared, they do things that could be rash or extreme. And one way to avoid those is just having a good economy. A good world for to bring people into, you know, women. It can be, become very desperate when they become pregnant, especially outside of, let's say, you know, marriage or a safe environment or a home or you know, whatever it is. Too young, you know, wh- whatever it might be, and think to themselves, well, what other options, right? They're going to bring up a, a, a child into this world that they can't be loved fully, they can't be supported fully. Well, you can really reduce that with the proper policies and education. And, and I'm a pretty I'm a big advocate of contraception. I just don't um, see that as, as something that we even really need to fight about. But as Roe v. Wade was overturned, there's more people coming back and kind of dredging up that old sentiment that even contraception is like blocking God's hand. Um, I I don't I don't see that so much. But I, that's that I, that ideology is is pretty old. Um, and my understanding is that 95% of Catholics practice contraceptive use contraceptives uh, even though it may be against the church so the reality is that people are just going to use contraceptions uh procedures and that's what it is because where would we be if we just every time someone had sex they were having a, a child our our really a world is unsustainable and it would have been traditionally too if you go back in time there probably were discussions in communities about when they could have more kids because of where resources were they couldn't just keep having kids every year, right? Um, if they were worried about how, how what stability they had with a water source or a food source, they would have been eager to just keep adding children to the mix. That could have been a risk to the their community. What are they gonna gonna do? The mothers in a vulnerable position too. Uh, the women would have worked with their hands, gathered food, um, cooked, you know, whatever it might be, as well as the men. Uh, these these would have been delicate questions. And still delicate questions today. So where I'm going with this right now is that I really just look at where we've come, where we're going. And I think, well, really, there's no good conversation on abortion. But I really can't stand by a, just a group of people which seems like they just made an alliance with a political party to further maybe a partial aim of the church. You then say this is the most important thing for us. It's not in the Bible. We now decided modern at a modern level that a soul is implanted in there, which is really against what the Bible's saying. I mean, the, the breath of life is a very key understanding in the Bible. You go to Genesis, the creation story, or one of the creation stories talks about the breath of life, and life was made. And if you look back, some of the old laws of of uh, the Hebrews or the, the Jewish tradition, which is When that person, when that child is born and they come out and they take their first breath, there's something there. There's something um, life-bringing. And and it's even a little bit more uh, stringent than that. From what I'd read, it's been about a year, uh, they would not name the children for seven days just because of the high chance of death in that first seven days. So they would wait a full week to name the child because they didn't want to. Really risk the I, I, the identity of being putting on this child and the name and the going for the process uh, because there was just such a high chance of death, and that's I think that's even difficult for people to think about today. To think like imagine there's such a high chance of death that we our society revolves around maybe life starting a week after birth. Now I don't think that's what they would argue or, or talk about, um, but it was it was something that was probably pragmatic. Uh, not put too much emphasis on this newborn child because there's just a high risk of, of death um, and just complications. You know, what if the mother dies on that day? Maybe it's better not to name the child on the same day the mother dies. Uh, those are all difficult things. So kind of to bring this back together and uh, talk kind of how we're going to conclude it. Uh, I, this discussion is not going to die here soon, but. Because Roe v. Wade was overturned, I think there's going to be a huge backlash. And the people that want to block abortion all across the board are in the minority. They've always been loud, but there's a very staunch question here that talks about controlling other people's bodies. And the funny thing is we just came from COVID where conservatives, I think without without realizing it, were posting um, abortion-related materials that said, you know, my body, my choice. They use different language but they didn't realize they might have copied and pasted the same language that somehow you get control and autonomy over your own body. And if you're comparing the two, just, just to kind of compare these two, you know, assuming, just assume that, uh, that abortion kills a soul. The people that weren't willing to vaccinate, we're talking about millions of people's lives at stake, millions, and then illness and sickness and injury uh, for, for more than that. And to say, like, my body, my choice, but that choice affected the world and everyone around you. Like, how are those things not comparable? How are those things not something that should be discussed that the biblical, uh, correct Christian thing to do would be to try to save life, which is to get vaccinated? I heard arguments about people talking about, well, it must be, it's my time to go if I don't get it. Now apply that to abortion, right? I mean, not even abortion, just women having babies. Yeah, don't give them medical care. They they should be able to do it on their own. It should be natural. Don't give. Don't have the doctors look at them. Don't help them after the baby is born. Don't give them medicines. I mean, it's ridiculous to apply that across the board. You know, in this country, we try to save life. You know, that's what we do. That's what doctors do. And the question of, of abortion is, for some, will always be about this soul being created. But again, that's a modern concept, not in the Bible. And this idea that a woman has control over her own body, which, let's be honest, has always been the case historically. I don't care how many years you go back, women have been the keepers of life. Just think of that for a second. Wilderness living. The woman had control. Now, she might have not been able to stop the pregnancy. You know There might have not been good methods to do such, and they were always risky. But she might have taken steps to keep the baby or not keep the baby. And, you know, worst things happen is we went toward in time, like a Roman uh, era idea or the Greek uh, idea would have been to look at the child. If there's something wrong with it, leave it out in the woods because it wouldn't have been worth the time and energy to take care of. Now we can come to a better morality today and talk about the value of, of children. We do everything we can with kids with cancer, um, genetic conditions. We try to do what we can to save these lives and have them have good lives. But we, should, we still have to be living the tension of the fact that when you're helping these kids, helping them stay alive, that's like a vaccine. And when you're talking about things being natural, well, women's bodies naturally miscarry all the time. And those should just complicate. You know, my hope at the end of this discussion is to make it complicated for people to just be so uh, single, single-minded about what it has to be. Because on one level, if your ideology and your theology is really not consistent over time and, it, and it's so fixated on your place in a country, place in a city, in your wealth uh, background, in your language, and it really can't be extrapolated to other cultures, then I think that's a problem, right? You're in this country and you're seeing things at your church and you're talking about those things and you're saying, this is the way it is, well... You're not giving a good argument for someone who lives in in Morocco, uh, who's rich in Morocco, uh, maybe doesn't drink alcohol, what their ideologies would be and theologies would be, because now they are just similarly competing for the the same kind of moral standard. And and to just flush that just slightly more, what I'm getting at is that if your faith is insulated by who you are and where you are and your time, then how is that faith going to be brought to other countries? How is that understanding gonna be brought? How can Christ be brought to other countries where you're talking about things that they can't even fathom understand because you're so insulated in your understanding of, of what life should be? Um, I think it's important that we live in tension. I think it's important that we live at a place where certainty is is not the way of living. Certainty is, is something we can't grasp, or we ho- at least we hope to grasp, we understand people have different uh, ideas, different ways of looking at things. And the fact that the Bible is just not that certain on so many things sends a lot of different messages that we should be sitting in small groups talking about how we should live, but also listening to other people who might disagree. We shouldn't just run to churches because everyone there agrees with me and everyone looks like me. Everyone's from the same area and we all live in a nice little suburban area where our comfortable chairs Uh, We can just talk from the pulpit and feel good about ourselves. We just need to grasp with these more challenging issues and know that if if the value system comes from wealth and power, that's a problem. If it comes from a political entity that gains your votes, that's a problem. Um, If it comes from a place that just is anti-love, that's a problem. So with that, I want to wish you shalom. And uh, next week, we'll probably just grab a few mixed bag of topics and maybe eventually get to the gun Uh, Issue, uh, but hope to see you next week.